Hello, everybody. You have reached Green Room on Air, and this is Ray Renati, your host. How y'all doing, Green Roomies? Hope you're having a wonderful, splendid day here. It's raining here in the Bay Area. It's, uh, what is the date today? It's Thursday, December 1st, and it's raining. Tomorrow's supposed to be sunny, but then we're going to have more rain. The rain in Spain falls mainly, and it's a pain. Thank you very much. Be here all week. Hey, you know what? We have a great show for you today. My guest today is a founder of the Coquettes, an avant-garde psychedelic hippie theater group from the 1960s. And guess what? They're back together. And there is going to be a show this weekend, December 3rd and 4th at Piano Fight in Oakland, California. The Cockettes. DJ Dank presents the Cockettes in their show Eternal Emissions. Two nights only, December 3rd and 4th, Saturday and Sunday, 7.30 p.m. at Piano Fight, Oakland at 1540 Broadway at 15th Street in Oakland. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E. Yes, indeedy, folky folkies. A lot of fun. Great, great uh, drag show from the late 60s. Uh, There was an incredible movement in San Francisco at that time. A lot of freedom of expression, a lot of experimentation with theater and different types of performance art. And the Coquettes were uh, a huge part of that. Very, very popular. They, 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 there's even a documentary, uh, an award-winning documentary that you can watch uh, on one of the streaming platforms, one of those free esoteric bizarre ones, I'm not sure. I started watching it. It's very interesting. Uh, the Cockettes, and my guest today is Mr. Scrumbly Coldwin, and he is one of the original founders of the Cockettes. They're not all around anymore. Um, one of the super interesting things about the Cockettes is they were um, founded by a, uh, a guy, his drag name was Hibiscus, his name was George Edgerly Harris, and uh, and he founded the Cockettes in 1969, I believe. Um, he is the guy, and many of you have probably seen this picture if you're of a certain age, or even maybe of any age. It's a it's a profound photograph that's sort of embedded in the psyche of America, where a young man is holding a, a handful of daisies. I believe they're daisies. And he walks up to the uh, National Guard, I believe, uh, during the Vietnam War, a protest, and sticks flowers in the ends of their guns. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an iconic photograph. Uh, I'll try to put a link to it in the, in the notes. And so this performance is, um, is sort of a, an historical event as far as I'm concerned, uh, the fact that this group has, is, has made a comeback, and I 
believe that they had a reunion in 2020 and they're still they're still back and they're doing what they did in the in the late 60s um it's sort of a san francisco legend it's part of san francisco history and mr scrumbly coldwin has written much of the music for their their shows in the past and now he's doing it again and i'm looking forward to seeing this myself um, the Cockettes were an avant-garde psychedelic hippie theater group founded by Hibiscus in the fall of 69. They were formed out of a troupe of hippie artists and men and women who were living in the Cauliflower Commune in San Francisco in the Haight-Ashbury district. When I was a little kid, we used to beg my mother to take us over to Haight-Ashbury so that we could walk around with the hippies. My brothers and I loved doing that. I don't know why, and she would do it. <laughs> I guess she liked it too. Um, you know, back in that time, in the late '60s, you were either sort of a super clean, clean-cut, straight arrow, or you were a hippie. There weren't a lot of people in the middle, and my parents had gone the straight arrow route, but we were all still kind of fascinated with hippie culture. So uh, this brings that back to me. So. The Cockettes were part of that. Now, of course, I didn't know who they were when I was a little boy. I think that was uh, above my uh, pay grade, as it were. But uh, their brand of theater was influenced by the Living Theater, um, a, a company founded by John Vaccaro, uh, his Playhouse of the Ridiculous, and also the films of uh, Jack Smith and the LSD ethos of Ken Kesey and his merry pranksters. So this came out of all of that culture way back when, and I find this very, very uh, interesting, historical, and fun, and I'm looking forward to it, and you should check it out too. Um, the performance style was pioneered by an eclectic style of dress and costume that had never been seen before. They drew their inspiration from various sources, such as a silent film, Hollywood of the 1930s and 40s, Broadway musicals, of course, and other art forms, surrealism, cubism, all kinds of things. It's just uh, an extremely eclectic, interesting, and fun type of entertainment. So, I think that's enough. We need to get right to our guest here. And uh, I hope you enjoy Mr., and I'm sure you will, Mr. Scrumbly Coldwin. The Cockett started most, or I, I don't know, the, start, the Cockett started because of hibiscus. He is the one credited for that photo of putting a flower in the gun, in the guns of soldiers. Oh, in Vietnam, during the Vietnam War. Vietnam War, yeah. yeah. Um, and he started the he started the Cockettes. We were invited to the midnight movies at the Nocturnal Dream Show, the Palace Theater, which held about fifteen hundred people, uh, twelve hundred, uh, but fifteen hundred when we got in because they crowded in the aisles. So um, we were invited because Hibiscus would go around in the streets and be dancing down the streets dressed in robes and you know uh you know beard and like like some psychedelic jesus you know yeah 
seedling flowers everywhere. You get the flowers from the uh, where the, the at the end of the day, the florists would put their flowers in these bins. You know, he'd go pick them up at night. Yeah, and, and be singing songs in the park, and you know, uh, he got a following. It was, it was, you know, part of the uh, remnants of of the the hippie, the flower flower children and the whole hippie thing. Um, and, you know, the people that hadn't succumbed to the hard drugs and so forth. Yeah. And um, he was invited. We would go to these uh, nocturnal dream shows because they showed great movies like uh, uh, old Busby Berkeley uh, musicals and uh, uh, experimental films like uh, The Bed, Kenneth Anger films, and things like Pornographies. <laughs> um, it was wonderful. They started at midnight and went on until about 3 a.m. So naturally, we got uh, a lot of stone freaks going to that very often, and we were chief among them. And we would start to dress up. Eventually, uh, the two people operating it, Stephen Arnold and um, Sebastian, invited us to come and, and perform, just do something, anything, just get up on stage. So we got up on stage and danced to the Rolling Stones and the audience went crazy and it was just a total spontaneous thing. The audience went crazy and so we just did another number and Pretty soon we were coming back at least once a month and the crowds grew till by that that was the New Year's of 1970 and by oh I'd say February we had over a thousand people coming to every show and then uh. we had to do not just one show a weekend we had to do two shows and then we had to do two weekends in a row and then pretty soon uh, Herb Kane was coming and, and San Francisco society was showing up. It was the chic thing to do, like, like uh, slumming, you know? Yeah. And uh, we had some, we had some devotees actually uh, who were uh, society people. And then Rex Reed and Truman Capote showed up and Rex Reed did his national column on, on us, which got us to New York in New York, they expected the next hair, but we were just a group of, of very rank amateurs of varying degrees of talent. Uh, but the main talent we had was the bravery to just put ourselves in front of people, uh, spreading, uh, spreading good news and having lots of fun. Uh, in, uh, a lot of effort went into the costumes. It was all about the drag. Anything you wore was was drag. We yeah. to have a little bits of nudity. All of this was just eaten up by um, by the audience. It was it wasn't sort of the the real sort of uh, the kind of drag that we associate with drag now, right? It was it was, right. it was more flexible, right? And yeah. as what the whole thing was it straddled somewhere between camp and irony yeah uh because we played a lot our themes were more ironic than camp the camp might have been from uh, the busby berkeley influence yeah 
and and the 1930s we loved art deco and everything but we celebrated that style and for the time because it was not trying to be in drag we were just more like uh the males at least were the peacocks and but the females were like the same thing they dressed up too but in the same way just uh combine all kinds of crazy ah. together into so it was men and women yes right and women's uh a few a few straight people mm -hmm. Uh, who also like to dress up. Yeah. Quite a few of those, actually. And, you know, I was in a musical once where I had to be in drag, uh, and uh, I had so much fun. Oh, my God. For sure. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, and we were also, we're not trying to portray women. We were, yeah. like, hibiscus's campiness was to wear bigger and bigger false zooms you know yeah so they, they <laughs> half a football each and then one beach ball each one giant beach ball each when he <laughs> jane mansfield uh and everything covered it covered in glitter or those sequins those big sequins uh we'd people would spend painstakingly hours and hours to do their costumes is hibiscus still around? He's still with us. Uh, he died. He's one of the earliest people to die of AIDS oh. in 1979. Uh, okay. And uh, but he went on to do a lot of things. He was uh, the Screaming Violets in New York was his thing, along with two of his sisters. And uh, they had a giant billboard on on Broadway at one point. He, they were fairly successful. Uh, they also kept the Angels of Light going, which was a uh it kept going in san francisco and new york mm -hmm. and in san francisco they did a lot of uh really good pieces we were unrehearsed with the idea that professional theater was a little bit too stuffy too self-congratulatory this wasn't conscious you know like uh i got turned down to be in the cast of hair in san francisco because i couldn't project enough uh, well, you know, we had a sound system at the Palace Theater. Yeah, you know, and I and I started doing all these tenor solos. Um, I would do, uh, you know, with Creamer Ritz, I would do Indian Love Call and Jeanette McDonald McDonald Nelson Eddy stuff, duets, operatic duets, and so forth. Um. So, so with the show and and your show coming up, um, well, anyway, back then, so it was unrehearsed. So you you, you would do show tunes, uh, and, and relatively unrehearsed, and it got more yeah. rehearsed as it went on. Uh, okay, naturally, but, we wanted it to be as fulfilling as possible, and unrehearsed or uh, semi-improved is only yeah. satisfying up to a point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so it was partially rehearsed, but you left a lot of room for improvisation, interaction with the audience, and things like that. It took a while, it took yeah. a while to get a little bit more professional until by mm -hmm. the end we were wanting to work. When we went to New York, uh, they the producers partied us so much, made us it was all about the publicity and not a thing about the production. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't have done any good because the uh, audience was expecting the next hair. Yeah, and, uh, 
what we had was something entirely different to offer. Yeah. In a sense, the, the sense of like uh, you get together with an extended family and you have your favorite uncle get up there and do a song and and then uh, and you know uh, playing around being silly. Yeah. And you whooped it up. You went crazy because they were all your friends and family. And it was that sort of a thing. We were the tribes, literally, yes. like the yeah. tribes coming together. So, do you think it's sort of a San Francisco kind of a thing? Because well, because I, I when I was younger, before before the tragedy of AIDS, I mean, um, I used to go to the city, and I had I used to, like I used to go to. Uh, Finocchio's quite a bit and uh, I used to go watch the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence do their stuff and unfortunately I didn't know about you guys but I think at that time I was too too young I was only like 10, 10 years old or something oh yeah 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 but um, You'd read there about was sort of a, an atmosphere in San Francisco that that, that that's similar to what you're describing uh, in terms of a lot of the entertainment I think right but for a while we were stars we were yeah. really Stars. Yeah, I, we were so famous in San Francisco. Right. Happened other places. Uh, Seattle had the Whiz Kids. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, eventually, New York got into the ridic ridiculous theater. Uh, you know, with through some of the Warhol people that overlapped a lot. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I think that like San Francisco it looks like a big city, but it's actually kind of small. And there's and there's sort of a feeling of a strong feeling of community in the city, even no matter where you live in the city. I mean, because nothing is very far from anything else. So people sort of, uh -huh. I don't know. It just feels like it, uh, San Francisco just has a sort of unique kind of take on on things, especially during the '60s and '70s. Um, I don't know. Just that I just something I don't exactly know what I'm talking about here, but I did. I mean, uh, <laughs> you can read uh, who's the guy he wrote um, Season of the Witch. Who is it? This wonderful book, Season of the Witch. Uh, I know the song, but I don't know the uh, David Talbot. You know, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, here's this book. Yes, we're all in it. The Cockettes. Does that yeah. come backwards to you, too? No, no, I see it perfectly here. Yeah. I've got it on mirror on my end. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So uh, you have a show coming up in Oakland. It's the Cockettes are back. Yeah, um, yeah. we've been back for a while. I, I Since uh, 2020, I saw you had a, your big reunion. We had a big reunion. Uh, the movie, the documentary uh, started a whole thing. It started up a lot of interest in it. And then um, in the Cockettes. And then for about seven or eight years, I we redid, we did, um, revived a lot of Cockettes shows at Thrill Peddlers. Yeah. And that became uh, the Chronicle's current uh, theater critic, Lily uh, Janicek, her favorite company. But we did um, about four of the original shows, which I revamped and finished, because uh, any, any music that wasn't original, I wrote songs and made it made it all original and then about three more shows b 
besides that that might have been compilations of the Cockettes and and then some beyond that. All in the Cockette spirit, it's, the, the Cockette sort of song is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, all those things. It involves it involves drag, but not necessarily drag where we're trying to appear as women. That's not the point. The Cockettes originally were called uh, gender gender confusion. <laughs> confusion because we celebrated in our the way we dress both male and female at the same time. You yeah. might have glitter on your privates, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not, it sounds like it sounds like a campier, more risque version of uh, Beach Blanket Babylon. They uh, actually started with us. I, in fact, I played the uh, I played piano for their first auditions. There you go. Come to our shows and and busk outside the Palace Theater for the crowds in the Steve Silver and uh, I forget her name. Uh, yeah. The Christmas tree. Yeah. Human Christmas tree. Val. Um, Val Diamond. Val Diamond. There yet. It was. Oh. Steve's collaborators. Oh yes, her name. I forgot her name. I, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, that was an interesting time back then. I mean, I think that most people, if anybody has any, uh, I mean, a lot of people had a lot of exposure to this sort of thing through the Rocky Horror Picture Show, perhaps. Uh huh. Yeah, it was a it was a great time for camp and for you know, freedom of expression in terms of gender and just having fun, you know, shaking things up and yeah, uh, without all that politicization around, around it. Right. right. Yeah. About politics. It was uh, in, except that the, a human being is a political statement if you want. Right. Look, this is who I am. It, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. But it was like, like now there's so much dissension around the whole thing. I'm not to, not to say that there wasn't back then, but it, it was different. I think people didn't take everything so seriously like they're doing now. Um which is and it makes no sense what what's happening now a lot in a lot of ways. Uh back back then it was more um I mean even if you were like really conservative like people in my family, they would just say, "Ah, they're just they're just the way they are. They're having, you know, even though they would never go to the show, you know, right, like right. my grandparents. So, but now people, people are just so, yeah. it's like we've, re, it's like we've, we've gone backwards a hundred years or something. Victorian era, I think. Yeah. It's that the, re, the reestablishment of Victorianism. All the conservatives and the liberals have become very stringent. and Yeah. Yeah, and it's like small small factions of both are controlling everything. You know, yeah. it's like it's yeah. craziness. So yeah. I'm so happy that you're doing this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try to go with my wife, but she uh, she had a foot operation, so we'll have to see what I can do. But oh dear, well yeah. you know we we'll we'll make a special arrangement for her. For okay, she can put it up. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell her. <laughs> yeah. Um now so the thrill peddlers yeah that must have been fun now unfortunately they had to leave right they someone sold their building yes 
but they used to do all this kind of stuff like with puppets and or and and, and that old sort of french kind of a theater what was it called Grand yeah yeah where they were just like be bloody and yeah lots of lots of special effects yeah i i also worked on the especially for shocktoberfests oh yes i remember that um, mm -hmm. i worked on those i did uh short shows they started off at five minutes and ended up about half an hour long many musicals you know yeah uh one called the bloody debutante comes to mind <laughs> and another one, uh, uh uh revenge of the son of cobra woman <laughs> so much fun yeah, yeah. i i love campy stuff i love i i just it's so freeing um right right to the, to the spirit you know I, I mean, as a kid i grew up listening to like dr demento and uh weird al yankovic and i love the rocky horror picture show and um there's a new movie weird weird al just made called weird yes and, and it's on the roku channel for free if you get a chance you should watch it it's hilarious uh like he he's like a leftover from that time, you know. From in my mind, he he gets it, you know. Yeah. Um. And, and then I'm and then you're in and locally. You're here, which is wonderful. I hope. I hope. Do you think the Cockettes are going to keep uh, performing for a while into the future? Yeah. Well, it's only the Cockettes in that I'm one of the founding members of the Cockettes. Yeah. <laughs> the rest who are left are not really performing much anymore. Okay. Um. Fayetta is still around. She lives in LA. Let me show you. Okay. Uh, a book she just put out. Mm -hmm. Oh, neat. And it's full of just amazing. Oh, wow. Apps. Is that available on Amazon or any? Uh, yeah. It's called, it's called the Cockettes and there's it's on. Left, if there's any left for print. Oh, I'm going to see if I can find that. But uh, oh, what great pictures! Wow, yeah, beautiful, very well done book. Oh wow, beautiful! Oh, I'm gonna definitely look for that. I hope hope you can hope I can find one. Yeah, it's just called the Cockettes by Fayette Hauser. Okay, Fayette's uh, brother was uh, Tim Hauser of the Manhattan Transfer. Oh wow. Great music. Great music. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I love Manhattan Transfer. They almost recorded one of my songs that we're doing in, in the show called Midnight and Manhattan. Oh. And I write in this, like these old musicals, I write uh, in style from the 20s through the 50s, 60s, what, what have you. Uh, that's the style I like to use. Mm -hmm. And I love the retro. But in New York, uh, one of the critics was uh, dissing the, the show, and she said, they just did the old songs. They even did Midnight in Manhattan. <laughs> Which you wrote. I wrote, and I thought, <laughs> compliment. She doesn't know it, but it's, it's a compliment. Um, have, so you, have you had songs in other musical performances, in other, in other shows or that people would know? <laughs> I've worked, I've written songs for uh, a lot, several productions of at New Conservatory Theater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Thrill Peddlers. Well, yeah. Thrill Peddlers, of course. Yeah. 
uh, I'm trying to think. Um, very small theaters. We had one called Theater Workers back in the 70s, a gallery theater that did some Shakespeare. I wrote songs for them. Um, I've music directed at Berkeley Rep, but not not written. Oh, okay. Um, um, uh, let's see. A lot of small productions. Yeah, I've, great. I've, Rhinoceros, I've done original music for them. Yeah. If you're not if you're not from San Francisco and you're listening to this, these are all uh, th very uh, well known theaters in San Francisco that have been around for a long time. So, um, yeah. So the so so let's make sure that people know when your uh, when your show's happening here it's this weekend. I'm gonna get this up asap. Uh, Can you share your uh, your poster? Yeah. What's that? Are you going to screen share the poster or something? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Um, I was going to put links in the in the in the notes uh, uh, to everything. That way, people don't have to go find the exact spot in the podcast. Uh, but it is this coming Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, this in Oakland at Piano Fight. Uh huh. Which yeah. is fifteen oh one Broadway. It's just a couple blocks from BART and it's a 7.30 start time doors open at 7. Okay. You can get tickets at Eventbrite or through the Piano Fight uh, website. Mm -hmm. Eventbrite, just uh, enter the Cockettes Eternal uh, Emissions. I'll put links to all that in the notes right below the, the video and the audio versions and people will be able to go right right to it. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could give you a, a screen share in about Sure. Yeah, okay. Let me see if you can cook at eternal. Well, it looks like I have to go to documents. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can, if I can do it here. Um I'll have a race. Okay. Here we go. Which, uh, which well, I see. I... I've got one. Okay, let's do it. Let's see. Where's the? Can you let me screen share? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How would I? Let's see. Um, you go okay, up. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. and then you. There we go. Now you should be able to do it. Here I we think go. I, I think I did it. There. Hey, hey. Here we go. Oh, nice poster. Coming yeah. to Oakland, DJ DJ Dank. Who's DJ Dank? That's Dan Karkowska. Oh, okay. He also DJs at a couple clubs in the city and produces other people. He's got producing Connie Champagne uh, the following weekend. Oh, Connie Champagne. I love her. Yeah, I used to play for her when she started out. first. Ah, yes. Was I, think I, I think I remember you. Tiny Champagne of the Tiny Bubbles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I I remember. I've gone to a bunch of her shows. I remember. Okay, yeah. And I've done her Judy Garland stuff and everything. Yes. Oh, love it. This has a little blurb down at the bottom <laughs> that I inserted specifically for Stage Bridge, which is a place where I work. And we've got one of my stars of all my voice, all my singing classes. 
who is, does a really mean Bessie Smith. Oh, Maxine so, Hall? Maxine Hall, and she's going to do a, a song that Sylvester did back in the Cockettes. Oh, great. Oh, I am definitely going. Yeah, and he was the first one to do uh, the, the song she's going to do. Wonderful. And our friend, uh, somebody else, uh, we have a, we have a lovely bass player, stand-up bass player. That's our that's our theater. Who's that's, your stand-up bass player? Name's Dave Sign. S A. Oh, okay, I don't know him. Wonderful. What a what a great poster. I love the graphic. It looks so. Reminds me of the age of Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss those times. I know, and you can bring them back. I know, I want them back. Oh. <laughs> With, without the Vietnam stuff. Yeah, without the Vietnam stuff and just just the other crazy stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But I also had a group called the Distractions and that in the early eighties and that was because the first the first concert was titled bourgeois classist music to distract you from all the crap that's going down. <laughs> so this concert, <laughs> eternal emissions is not meant exactly as a distraction, but it really can distract you. It's people that come just say they have so much fun. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. Two nights, December 3rd and 4th, Saturday and Sunday. That's this weekend, 7.30 p.m. at Piano Fight in Oakland. Yeah, Not the Piano Fight in San Francisco. Don't go there. Piano Fight in Oakland. 1540 Broadway. I said the wrong address. 1540 Broadway at 15th Street. Oh, that's pretty easy to find. And you can hear things like No Nose Nanette and uh, Let Them Eat. C O C K instead of C A C C A K. Oh my. Well, it's fun, and you'll get to see a piece of San Francisco history and a little bit of, uh, and a lot of fun, and uh, maybe, maybe we'll bring back some good memories. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Ray. Feeling